Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariya on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi al-lazhin ustafa. Khususan ala sayyidi rasuli wa khatimi al-anbiya wa ala alihi al-azkiya wa ashabihi al-atqiya amma ba'd. As we continue our way to Ramadan, there are some discussions that need to be had before we enter into the month of Ramadan. We know that the main action of the month of Ramadan is fasting. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us of fasting in the month of Ramadan. فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمُ الشَّهْرَ فَلْيَصُمْ Whoever witnesses the month of Ramadan should fast it. Fasting is a very powerful tool to deal with shaitan and to overcome the temptation of the lower self, the nafs. When we look at the actions that were commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that are taught to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we find that the Amir and Nawahi, the commands and prohibitions, they play a role in our development. For some folks, it's easier to fulfill commandments. If they're told to do something, it's easier for them to do that. If you were to tell them that I need you to go to the gym every day, they enjoy that sort of thing, that tell me what to do and I'll get it done. That's where Salah comes into play, that we're told that we need to pray Salah every day. So because it's an action item, it's easy for us to for some people, to make time for it, to um, be punctual, to be focused, to make sure all the items that need to be fulfilled while praying Salah are properly taken care of. But then on the other hand, we have another type of action or a command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is to do with the nawahi, the prohibitions. And it's through this act that shaitan makes his way into the life of the human being. When Adam salam was tempted by shaitan, shaitan's approach was to get Adam salam to do the one thing that was prohibited by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the insan has the nafs, this lower self within the human being's entity that exists which desires to fulfill natural and base temptations. So when a person sees delicious food, it's natural for them to desire it. When you're 
you know, when you see a video of someone cooking food and it looks very nice, your heart will yearn for it because this is shahwa in action. You'll notice that a person can lose hours on end just by looking and thinking about food just as they can lose hours on end by looking and thinking about the opposite gender. They may sound very far away from one another, that what does food have to do with looking at the opposite gender, when in reality they actually aren't far. Because both of these are paths that shaitan uses to take influence over the human being. Therefore, Imam Abu Hamad al-Ghazali in his in the third, fourth of his book, Rub'ul Muhlikat, the fourth to do with the uh, destructive items, the things that will destroy you. Inshallah, we're starting that chapter tomorrow in our class at the seminaries. The opening part of that chapter, he first talks about the qalb, ruh, nafs. He talks about these three things. These are words that we hear a lot about. Many of us are not sure what the difference is. Are they all the same? Are they different? What does what? It's a very interesting discussion. Something maybe we'll discuss uh, at a in a future class. We actually did have this conversation in our masjid last Ramadan when we did the journey on um, the path to Allah. Every day in Ramadan, we had one discussion about traversing the path to Allah. And one of the classes, it was a seven, eight minute class, but I dedicated it to this topic. The ruh, the qalb, and the nafs. The anatomy of the spiritual side to the human being. You have to know what each one is, what they represent, and what role they play. So Imam Ghazali, while talking about um, the things that cause destruction, he first starts off here. You have to know what you're dealing with. And then he, right after, right after he's done with this, talking about the, the ruh, qalb, and the nafs of the human being, he then immediately the first disease that he speaks of, the first problem he addresses is the destruction of the two temptations. The two major temptations that the human being faces in life, we have to address these two. And then he goes into athatul lisan and everything else. The uh, calamities of the tongue and the harm that it brings, those chapters follow later. So what are these two temptations? The shahwa of al-batan and shahwa of al-fat. Appetite and carnal passion. People don't know how to control their appetite. This is a path that shaitan takes to people. And the second is their sexual carnal passion. Their shaitan This is the second path that shaitan takes to people. So now when we come back to the month of Ramadan and we see this act of fasting, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us to stay away from these two things. From morning till evening, you have to learn to control them. Look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have told us to eliminate them altogether. The ruling could have been no intimacy in Ramadan, period. But that's not balance. Our deen teaches us balance. In the evening hours, you can do as you will. You can engage with your temptations, but in a limited manner. Don't manner, don't overdo it. The example of someone overdoing it is the person doesn't eat during the day, avoids food and drink, but when iftar comes, they pig out. You're defeating the purpose. You were only able to hold back with your nafs for a set number of hours, but 
the moment the obligation was lifted and the permissibility was in place to eat, you went back to your old self. You don't go all the way back because it's not a matter of eat, don't eat, eat, don't eat. It's not green light, red light, green light, red light. Rather, red light, when you're starting up again, you kill the speed. You're going way too fast. Learn to control it. Be moderate. Eat, but as much as you need. The Prophet ﷺ, and this, uh, the Prophet ﷺ said that uh, the worst vessel a human being can fill is their stomach. And if a person must, then they should suffice with a few morsels. That will help him stand tall and firm, be healthy. And if you must eat more than that, then the Rasul said, one third for food, one third for drink, and one third for, for air. Prophet is teaching us, create balance. Now this is not a conversation about being healthy and unhealthy. Don't mix the two. Being healthy is important in Islam, and that's a great conversation and discussion to have. But I think as Ramadan approaches to make health the main concern, while we're dealing with such a great ibadah like Saum, is really missing the mark. The purpose of Ramadan is not to drop pounds, and that's what everyone talks about. How many pounds are you planning to drop this Ramadan? What goal are you planning to hit? Throughout the year, Muslims put on 20. In Ramadan, they take off 20. So it's like the balancing act. There is a riwayah, sumu tasihu, that fast and you will be healthy. These days, people talk about intermittent fasting and the benefits of fasting and detoxing and all these things. The OMAD, one meal a day diet. So these things are very trendy these days in our communities, in our circles. But that's not what fasting is for the believer. The health benefit is secondary. The main benefit actually is learning to tackle your nafs and saying no. I can actually say no. You can put food right in front of me. I can look at it and tell myself I am not in need of this. Just because everyone's having it doesn't mean I have to have it. I could eat it out of consideration for the one that's presenting it if you're being hosted by someone. Or I can walk away. Do you not see that when people check out at grocery stores, what is the final line of sale for Walmart? Andy and gossip. <laughs> Can't believe people still buy those magazines. Apparently they do. They have the most absurd news in them. Makes you feel like they're surrounded by monkeys more than human beings. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Those one-line punch headlines, one-liners. Makes you lose interest and hope in humanity. This stuff is still selling. Food. Food is the first thing. When you walk into the grocery store, what's the first line of aisles that you face? It's almost like it doesn't matter where you enter from. I've tried to enter from the far side of Walmart where it says, like, you know, auto stuff. And even then, as soon as you walk out, there are chips right there. <laughs> And right away on the left side, you can smell the, air quotes, bread from Subway, right? It's food, that temptation. Ramadan is about learning to say no. That's what Psalm is. 
the one word definition for psalm in Arabic is al-imsak, to withhold. To learn to say, I won't do it. it. And then, as a result of that, there will be other benefits from the benefits of fasting, and we'll cover some of them, inshallah. Um, the more religious ones, I'll cover some of them for you that have a religious benefit. But even non-religious benefits, there are some. What are some non-religious benefits of fasting? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's being honest. You said the one I was thinking. They say much they Save money. Not spend six dollars on coffee anymore. Is that right, Musa? You don't have to buy lunch every day and then um, snack here and snack there and this food and that food. You're not buying random candy bars. What's another fight of fasting? What was that? You feel light? Yeah, I think that's true. Like you just feel more energetic. You eat less. You would think that if you eat more, you'll be more energetic, but the more you eat, you feel sluggish. Right? You don't feel good. Any, anything else? Save time. Oh, both of you said that at the same time. Yeah. You save time. Food just takes a lot of time. It's the whole ordeal from preparing it to cooking it to also eating it. I know for some of us, that's a very enjoyable time. So that sort of time we don't mind committing to. Um, health benefits. We talk about that as well. It also helps uh, create clarity in your thought and your mind as well. And like this, there are many fawaid and benefits of eating less. But those are all secondary, and they shouldn't be what we are thinking of as we enter into Ramadan. Because if we do that, then we have, you know, sold ourselves for a very low price. There is so much more that can come out of this. The example of this, you know, there was one person that came to me once and they were telling me, Sheikh, I'm amazed by how powerful Salah is. It's like, oh, that's good. Okay, this is good. Tell me. I was doing a yoga class and I realized there are so many similarities. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the one that was supposed to find Allah in their sajda ended up finding child pose in their sajda and this pose and baby pose and sleep pose and wake up pose. They found all the, they found that faida in uh, in in sajda and in salah and they missed the main faida which was ta'alluq ma'allah. Cleansing your heart. Focusing on building a relationship with Allah, doing dhikr of Allah, humbling yourself, silencing the noise of the world. Those were the real fawaid of, of, of salah. So now we turn to sum. What is fasting in Islam and why is it so important? Rasulullah taught us to fast because it helps us take control of our nafs. It's a very head-on approach. Rasulullah tells us that in this month, shaitan is locked away. So now, shaitan is not a part of the equation. It's you and your nafs. It's you and your lower self. So you have to face it and learn to take control. That I won't eat. And when I do eat, I will eat in moderation. I will eat with control. And if a person can learn to say no to something that is halal, because food and intimacy, the one that is married, in essence, are halal in their original state, these are permissible things. But we are told to stay away from the halal, therefore making it easier for us to avoid the haram. It's like in the training phase, you make the task a little harder 
So when it's time for you to perform where it matters, you have better posture and easier movement. It's like boxers training to shadow box with weights in their hands, right? Or, or, or fighters learning to do leg movement in a pool. You add that extra resistance, even though it's unnecessary, it's actually not a part of what will happen, but you add that weight. So when it's time to perform, you're just flying, you're flowing, it's easier. That consciousness is there. We are heedless and mindless in our day-to-day actions. We don't take account of ourselves. We do without thinking. What we feel is what we do. We don't consider whether it's beneficial for us or whether that's harmful for us. This person that I'm interacting with, this relationship of mine, whether it's halal or haram, no one's taken that into consideration. But the beautiful thing about fasting is that it creates taqwa. Allah says, Fasting was ordained so you may be gone conscious. Because now you're thinking. It's like a person who's driving on the highway versus someone who's driving in a neighborhood. The one that's driving on the highway isn't as focused. They're focused as much as they need to be because there's no need for them to hit the brake for the most part. It's just drive. But when you're driving in a neighborhood, you have to be very careful. It could be children. Someone could be reversing out. There could be a stop sign. There could be a branch on the ground. Any number of problems could exist, so you have to be more alert while you're there. Song, in reality, creates alertness. That's what you'll notice about yourself. When you're fasting in Ramadan, you'll just be more aware. You'll be more aware of what you're doing with your body. And then there is a degree of fasting that is even beyond that, where you're not just alert of what you're doing, but you're actually now also fasting in terms of your thoughts and also in your heart. You're not just alert about whether you're eating or not. In Ramadan, it's to eat, so we don't want anyone accidentally grabbing an apple while they're walking. Hide the food from the kids so they don't feel tempted during the day. So we're mindful of these things. Someone asks you that, why don't you have coffee? And you're at work and you say, well, I'm fasting because I'm mindful of that. The month of Ramadan is a reminder of that. But now we need to learn to translate that beyond just the actions to also the thoughts. That why am I fasting? The why is very important in everything you do. The why actually determines whether you will benefit from the action or not in the long run. The long run, the akhirah, is connected to the why, not just the what and the how. Why are you doing it? Therefore, Rasul taught us, Actions are based off of the intentions. And then the Shafi'is and Hanafi's debated, the outcome is still the same, that you need to focus on your intention. Get it right. Why are you doing this? So why exactly are we fasting in Ramadan? The truth is that when you're thinking about why you're fasting or why you're doing any deed, the answer will always and should always start with one point. The beautiful thing about our deen is that we are permitted uh, to have multiple intentions while doing one act. You can have multiple intentions while doing one act. I can do one act and think of multiple goods that come out of it. The only thing that the Hanafis don't allow is two obligatory intentions to be combined in one act. So I can't be intending to pray Dhuhr and Asr while just praying four rakah. You can't have two obligatory intentions while doing one act. 
But I could, for example, uh, give, give, give zakat and on one hand intend my zakat and on the other hand also think to myself that the person I'm giving zakat to is a family member so I'm also mending ties. I'm maintaining relationships. So I won't get one reward, I'll get how many? Two rewards. So you can pile up in terms of your intentions as much as you like. And the sign of a thorough person, a person that's thoughtful and isn't just doing things because everyone is doing them, they will have a lot of intentions no matter what they do. One person is going to the gym. Why are you going to the gym? I want to look good. Another person is going to the gym. Why are you going to the gym? I don't know, actually. I just go. By the way, there are a lot of people who go to the gym and they have no idea why they go there, which is okay. I mean, it's not a bad thing. Another person, you ask him, why do you go to the gym? And he has a laundry list of items that I'm going for this, that, this, that, this, that. Mental clarity, it helps me out. Time management, self-confidence. I'm also healthy. It's also a, a, a good sign of a believer to be healthy and strong. I don't want to be sluggish. I want to eat. a long list of things. That's a sign this person is thorough. A person walks into a dealership. What do you want? A car to get me from point A to point B. This guy doesn't have too much ambition in life in terms of cars. I'm sure must be a good person. Another guy walks in. Another guy walks into the dealership. What do you want? And he's got the whole list out. You know, this rim, this engine, what is your type person? <laughs> He's talking about random lights in there, LED lights, and it has to have this diameter and this, you know, range of lighting and God knows what, what else there is. I was driving with my kids the other day, and there was a guy who had lights under his car. So my kids asked me, about what is this for? So I said, this is an example of an amal that is purely for riyah. You know, there are those actions that are purely ikhlas, only for Allah, like fasting. Only Allah knows. This action right here is only for others because he can't even see it. These lights are on while he's driving. And if he's, you guys get the point, right? This is a great example of an amal that is purely for riyah. Don't do this, Berta. People who do riyah, unfortunately, lose their aql and they waste a lot of money in the process while not realizing that people like us are not impressed, we're looking at it and we're actually, it's a good joke in the car now. Like we're laughing. But alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah illadhi, you know, hadana. Thankful to Allah that he gave us hidayah. There's so much to learn by looking at the world around you. You see people who do good and you thank Allah and you see people who do silly things and you thank Allah again. Alhamdulillah. Allahumma laka alhamdulillah. Reality is that we would have been that too had it not been for Islam. Why would we not do that? It's not like we have any specialty in us. Alhamdulillah ala ni'matil Islam wa kafa biha It's the best, the greatest blessing of our life that we have Islam. Alhamdulillah. So now why are we staying hungry? Why are we fasting? The answer ultimately, with all the multiplied intentions that you could have, all the multiple intentions you could have. The main answer is for the sake of Allah. That's why. So while you're fasting, here's something that I will, uh, a little advice I'll give you. It's a pro tip. Very beneficial and will change your fast this Ramadan if you do Amalus. While you're fasting, whenever you feel that hunger, in your stomach, whenever you feel the weakness in your arms, your legs are a little weak in the first few days of Ramadan, 
you feel your head getting heavy, when you feel the thirst scratching the back of your throat. Whenever you feel the effect of your psalm, whisper to yourself the following statement. Ya Allah, this is for you. Whenever you feel the effect of psalm, just whisper this to yourself. Ya Allah, this is for you. I wouldn't be hungry for anyone else. You commanded me, I'm doing it. Whether I understand it or not, I'm doing this for you. This is how you develop taqwa, because you're doing the action, now you're adding the intention. Imam Muhammad al-Ghazali, he very famously divided those who fast into three categories. There's the Sawmul Umum, Sawmul Khawas, and then Sawmul Khawas al-Khawas, Khusus al-Khusus. There is the first degree of fasting, which is maybe what we can refer to as the legal fast. Avoiding food, drink, and intimacy from the break of dawn till the setting of the sun with a valid intention. Ta'rif al-Sum. Right? But then outside of that, mazikr. Outside of that, do whatever you want. Don't pray any salah, astaghfirullah. You know, uh, do all the ghiba, do all the backbiting. You know what you should do all day for this level of fasting? Just go like on a Star Wars like uh, run. Just watch all of them. That's this level of fasting. The reality is that the obligation will be lifted from your shoulders, but there's accountability for the disrespect and disregard for the great moment of Ramadan and the great opportunity of fasting. And for the sin, there is a different accountability there. It's baffling that a person would fulfill one fuq while violating 10 other uh, commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that's the base level of fasting. Imam Ghazali says, unfortunately, this is the fast of majority of the people. This is where most of the people are. They're avoiding the food, drink, and intimacy, but everything else, mashallah and astaghfirullah, just going at it. The second level of fasting is for a person to avoid disobedience to Allah with their limbs. So you're not looking at haram, you're lowering your gaze. You're mindful of that. I'm fasting, I cannot be looking at haram. This is one of the reasons why I believe this firmly, something I mentioned last week, and I'll say it again this week, for those of you that are interested. Ramadan is also an opportunity for you to fast from social media. Because look, you can avoid food, drink, and intimacy, but for some of us, that may not be a problem. The guy's single, what intimacy? He's broke, what food? It's just another day in life. What you need to fast from, there's a legal fasting, which we've covered, the legal definition of fasting. But if you want to make the most of it, you need to figure out what path does shaitan usually take at you? That's the question. If you're serious about this, and you actually want to do a riyada, as we call it, a, a struggle, it's, the, it's a word that Ahlul Tazkiyah use, a riyadh, uh, an actual task. You want to take on a journey. You want to get in the ring with your own nafs. And you're thinking, you know what? It's Ramadan. And if there's any time in the year I should be sparring with my nafs without the nafs cheating by tagging in shaitan all the time, Ramadan's the time. So now let me think. Which pathway does shaitan generally take to get at me? That's a question to you. What is it? And for most of us, 
It's the screens, some form of the screens. Alhamdulillah, our lives for the most part are sanitized of physical haram. You don't have alcohol lying around, pork lying around, haram magazines lying around, or you know whatever else lying around. A lot of the haram doesn't exist in its physical essence, but it's all there through digital. I gotta get rid of this stuff. And if you're one of those people who has the physical haram going on too, like you got a whole drawer full of J's, get rid of it. I'm not talking about whatever J you're thinking, I'm talking about the other haram J. Ramadan's a time for you to quit these things. Get rid of those joints. If you're a person who's drinking a lot throughout the year, Ramadan's a time for you to put it away. I walked into one brother's house, lovely brother by the way, and in this kitchen for the decor, he thought it was a good idea to create the vibe that he was going for in his house to light up empty beer bottles. Muslim guy. So he was capturing the decor through empty beer bottles. So I said to him, was like home goods bankrupt or something in your town? <laughs> Bed Bath & Beyond got burned down? <laughs> Amazon just crashed? Was there nothing left that you had to go to a dumpster and fill out, fetch out what represents haram and put it? He said, Sheikh, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no uh, beer in there. It's empty. How does that make it better? I mean, obviously it does make it better. <laughs> this is not Get rid of the physical and also the digital. It's a good time to cut out your TV. At 30 days of Ramadan. And for some of you, this may seem impossible. But I want you to consider it. 30 days of Ramadan, 30 days, no TV. No Netflix. You're probably thinking, but what about the halal Netflix? I'll watch shows of nature. Don't. Just don't. I'm not saying it's haram to watch that stuff, but you know what it is, right? It's always the next show that's over, and then, you know, Shaitan, you know, we're going to do this, and the Nefs is saying, well, what about that? Let's avoid it altogether. You'll find barakah in your time, clarity in your mind, and an upper hand against your Nefs. Ask yourself, what are you fasting from this Ramadan? And every Ramadan, I want you to ask yourself again, and even if what you're thinking is halal, let's say, for example, you're one of those people that likes to do something that may not be categorized as haram. That term haram may not apply. It doesn't matter. Psalm is about avoiding things that indulge you, that you give too much of your time to. Things that are unnecessary, reminding yourself that you are in this dunya a traveler. You're getting rid of your attachments in Ramadan. You're learning to focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. I'm not going to feel good. Maybe if I avoid my coffee, I might get headaches. Or maybe, you know, if I avoid some type of food that I really like and I say this Ramadan, I'm not going to do it. Easy things. It's about knowing that you can avoid it, that you have the strength. One of the things that a person can do is you can say this Ramadan, I'm not going to have rice. That's it. I'm just going to avoid it that I'm going to avoid having fried food, for example. Figure out what your temptations are and take them head on. And social media is one of those places that is worth considering. Uh, knowing that 99% of what's on there is just all garbage. It's people acting like monkeys pantsing around. 
That's what social media is. And then there are a few people that are saying, Qala Allah, Qala Rasul, power to them. Like you guys keep preaching, which is very good. But it's silly that people say, I'm going to stay on social media for the Qala Allah, while 99% of what's happening there is full of so much harm. If you could create your algorithm, which is sanitized and pure, then okay, go ahead. But in Ramadan, it's better to avoid these things because they waste time. Just for that reason. So learn to control your limbs, your eyes. And the second thing that I'll list out here is also your tongue. Avoid arguing, avoid fighting, avoid backbiting, avoid lying. These things are haram as it is. But if you're staying away from food and drink, which is halal, then these things are haram with a higher regard, higher concern, you should avoid these things. It's more logical for you to avoid these things as well. And then Imam Ghazali says the third degree of those who fast are those who fast with their thoughts and their heart. They're also mindful of what they're thinking. They're pushing away those bad thoughts. They're focusing on, um, they're focusing on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're not letting their mind wander here and there for lengthy periods. They're just focused on Allah. And in Ramadan, just keep that tasbih with you. And every few moments, pop it out and just do a little dhikr. While you're driving, driving a little dhikr there. If you're walking around, a little dhikr. You're sitting at your desk at work, a little dhikr. Just sprinkle dhikr throughout your whole day. And this is how you create consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah could have stopped at that remember Allah, the dhikra would have done the job. Like in a, in a special fashion. Remember Allah in a unique way. But dhikran, kathira, abundant. Make it a part of you. Let it consume you. Go a little above and beyond. This is one of those things that if you go above and beyond, it's good for you. Just sprinkle it and put it throughout your day that you're just doing some form of dhikr. And the greatest dhikr for the month of Ramadan uh, is tilawat al-Qur'an. For those of you that are hafad and have memorized the Qur'an, read the Qur'an. We'll have a session dedicated to this, inshallah, in the coming weeks. I promised you some of the fawaid of um, hunger, but I think we're going to leave that, inshallah. For those of you that are interested, you can check Imam Ghazali, there he lists out 10 fawaid of hunger. But as far as fasting goes, the perspective of fasting, how to fast, what things we need to be mindful of, how to get ready to deal with Ramadan, in, deal not in a bad way, but in a good way. How do I approach it? What's my game plan? How do I make this Ramadan special? How do I get the most out of my fast? That was today's session. And I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts what we discussed and allows us to implement it in our lives.